January 6th, one year later. Also, January 7th, one year later. Both pivotal days in my life I will never forget. They will be standout events, standout days, important, critical, identifying, solidifying days for me in my life. Let's go back and take a look at what we now know a year later. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Hello there, everyone. How are you today? I am telling you right out of the gate, you have background noise because there is a heater beside me because it's the high today in Tennessee was 27 degrees. And so I can't turn it off or I'll freeze as I try to record this, but I realize it has some noise. So sorry about that. And for anyone who's afraid of moving to Tennessee because it's 27, I want to tell you it was 70 degrees on Christmas Day, so you never know. You just never know what you're going to get. But uh, alas, that's where we are. And uh, oh my goodness gracious, I have needed to record this podcast all week, and here we are. And as I speak, it is Thursday, January 7th, the day after, one year later, January 6th. And if you have been a listener or if you know me, you know I was in D.C. on January 6th. And so you know I have lots of thoughts and feelings. And as I scheduled each evening to record this podcast, I just wasn't exactly sure what to say. I just wasn't sure what to even say. I will begin by saying, before I jump into the January 6th boat, I do want to say today was a really important day because our Supreme Court is discussing the constitutionality of a vaccine mandate get thrown down through federal government. Uh, and the arguments are interesting. I am not settled as someone who is avidly anti-mandate. You can get a vaccine for any old thing you want. You do you. My issue is mandates are insane insane and so i cannot even believe it's like any length of conversation to try to identify the constitutionality of this thing because it's very clear that if we allow the federal government to make our health decisions for us as a you know a a prerequisite if you will for employee employment that is a slippery slope folks And if you are someone who has gotten the vaccine or is pro-vaccine today, good for you. That's fine. You get to get yours. And I would just encourage you to think in the future as to potentially a, a president that would be not your particular cup of tea. This is a slippery slope of if a federal government gets to decide the health decisions and the requirements of us to be employed at our job, medical decisions that allow us to be employed or not this is an this is insane and again the i saw a quote just yesterday and i can't i'm just going to paraphrase it cuz i don't want to pull it up right now but it was from a survivor of nazi germany and she said the the reason why 
Nazi Germany was such a different genocide from all of the many, many genocides that have, you know, gone on across our world's history since the beginning of time, of which there are so many, if you know your history, is that it was legitimized by the academic and the medical community. That's what made Nazi Germany so different and so brutal. And that's what makes the Nuremberg Code so important. And if you don't know what these things are, please, please research and understand. So it is a very important conversation happening in our Supreme Court. And if you are a Christian, I would hope that you would pray that the right to body autonomy, to our medical autonomy, is remains with the individual and does not get passed to the federal government. Because for anyone who is a fan of our current administration, I just want to remind you that you were likely not a fan of our last administration, and you will likely not be a fan of our future administration at some point. Now, let's just for fun, imagine if Trump were saying that every single person as a as a requirement for employment at a relatively small business, but certainly a large corporation would have to have a experimental medication injected into their body as a requirement to be employed. We, we would just never hear the end of it. Let's just put it that way, right? So let's not pretend that the cookie only crumbles one way. Okay, let's just pray against this mandate for everybody's sake. Okay, back to January 6th. So I obviously have all the authority to speak on this conversation and this topic because I was present on January 6th in Washington, D.C. And here we are a year later, and I, I, it pains me to see and hear and think and know that so many people know so little actual fact about what happened that day that I just want to remind us what we now know for certain, there is no question, this can be researched and very easily val validated and understood. All of these things that I'm going to talk about today, there are so many things we know now, know for sure, that we need to, it needs to be said out loud, I guess. We just need to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And I feel like we're at a place, you guys, where I am a, as you know, if you're a listener, a registered libertarian. I claim no, I do not claim the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. And if I can remind you, I have voted now currently in my four instances of voting for presidents, as I am old, <laughs> for a Democratic candidate, a Republican candidate, and two libertarian candidates. Anyone who is identifying currently as a Democrat or a Republican should reevaluate why are why am I doing this? Because these are two sides of the same coin. Both are so evil, both. Now, I tend to lean more conservative. I will say that. And if you are someone who is a registered Democrat, you might say that I tend to lean more left or more progressive or whatever you would like to say in place of I am a Democrat, but I just caution us all to, to hold too tightly to these identities because I feel like we should, for the sake of each other, for the sake of our country, for the sake of our world, for the sake of humanity, stop identifying in our political affiliations in any capacity. We should hold very loosely to this. This is like, again, going back to um, the hashtag blue no matter who or, you know, I'm with him or whatever these different hashtags that, is so, that really just 
particularly the one that comes to mind is blue no matter who. Like, I'm sure there's one. There's a hashtag or a motto or whatever that goes with the right as well, which is each equally as ridiculous. But l just think about that. Blue no matter who. Come on now. That, that, that's like I'm shouting t off the rooftops. I apply zero critical thinking. I don't care about any actual information. I'm just going to vote according to an identity I assumed a long time ago, and, and that's that, right? It's a dangerous, dangerous way to go. And I hope as we move into future elections that we move away from this polarization and, and abandon, absolutely abandon both parties. It needs to happen. Goodness gracious. It's just so corrupt, as we saw with our dear friend Ted Cruz. If you're just very loyal to the Republican Party, the GOP is garbage pants. Garbage pants. Let's abandon. Let's abandon ship, save ourselves, call yourself an American, call yourself a patriot, call yourself anything else besides a Republican, okay? So as I am talking about January 6th, I need you to know that I am not a Trumper. And one of the things I do not know about January 6th at this moment is I do not know with any kind of certainty or any kind of evidence if Trump was in on it or was not in on it, okay? I would like to think that he was not in on it. I would like to think that he, along with myself, my husband, my friends, and many millions of other patriots were set up that day. I would like to think that that's the truth, that we were set up and that we were all really innocent in terms of what we expected to have happen that day. But I, don't, I can't say where I know that Trump was on that. I am very, very skeptical of Trump at this point, very unsure of where his loyalties lie. Very unsure. So I need to say that ahead of time before I get lumped in with, you know, right wing crazy pe people, white supremacists, any, you know, domestic terrorists, Trumpers, whatever you would like to let me in with. I'm not those things. I'm a mom. I'm a business owner. I'm a wife. I'm a Christian. I have a million identities I'll claim before I'll claim any of those. Well, I won't claim any of those ever. <laughs> Certainly not a white supremacist or a domestic terrorist. So some of the things that I wanted to discuss that we know for sure, which I feel like is not, I, I take for granted that most people maybe don't know this for sure. Most people are still, you know, going in with the mainstream ma media narrative that this was an insurrection, which let's just pause right there. The House of Representatives immediately, like could not wait a hot minute to impeach Donald Trump for the second time, of which he was convicted of zero. Two impeachments in the House, zero convictions in the Senate, means that he is a not impeached president, just so we're all clear on that. He was never impeached, just so we're clear. But they wasted zero minutes to witch hunt down Donald Trump and claim that he incited an insurrection on January 6th, of which they, you know, fully accused him and sent those papers on to the Senate. It was not convicted in the Senate. Therefore, charges dropped. It never happened. He didn't do it. But ever since that was not convicted, he was not convicted in the Senate, the narrative has now switched to, oh, no, it was a plotted ahead of time by these crazy Trumpers and white supremacists that showed up that day intending to do this insurrection. It was a pre-planned attack. So it went really quickly from it was incited in that moment by Donald Trump, by the words that he said in his speech, of which I heard that day. It went from that to, oh, that didn't work. 
now we're going to flip the script and we're going to accuse everybody of being pre-planned insurrectionists. Okay. So let's just, first of all, remember that. <laughs> remember that he was tried in the House of Representatives for a crime that we've now abandoned entirely, which goes to show perhaps we need to cool our heels and not rush to judgment before there's even any evidence coming forth of a crime. It's just insane. It is absolutely insane what has happened since this day in our government. And I'm going to go into that a little bit. But I will say because this was such a personal day for me, and this day included, January 7th was also such a very critical day in my life. These two days go together. They're pivotal. Like I feel like there's a Wendy that was before this day and there's a Wendy that's after this day. And I'm just now recently finding parts of the Wendy that existed before that day just in my own self. Like I feel like I had to abandon so much of what I took for granted before January 6th, 2021. I had to just let go of it and become a entirely different person so quickly and adapt and exchange things and make concessions and let go of things. And it was really hard. <laughs> it was really hard. Obviously, it resulted in me leaving social media. There are so many positives that came out of it, but there are absolutely things that I have lost that I will never gain back. I will never gain back because I was there that day. But let me tell you, more today than ever before, and never was there a day that I don't feel this way, but I feel it more today than ever before, no regrets. I am so glad I was there. I am so glad I was there because I know for certain what happened that day. And so many of you just never will know what I know. So many of you will always have doubts, will always have questions, will always wonder. I will not. I know because I saw with my eyes, because I experienced it. Okay. So I am so glad. And I remember that being some of the first words I said to my kids when I finally got home as a just completely wrecked and emotional mom. Couldn't wait to get home to my kiddos. And I said, you know what? I'm so glad terrible things happened that day. I'm, a woman died and a few others died also, but I knew for sure that day that Ashley Babbitt had been shot in the Capitol. That, I learned that that night. I'm sad that that all happened, but I told my kids I'm glad I was there because I will tell you what actually happened that day. And you will always live your life hearing a different story, but you will know and you will be able to trust the truth of what happened that day because your mom and dad were there. I'm also so grateful that both my husband and I were there together and we were there with a group with friends because I can't even imagine what would have happened if my husband went on his own and if he was an individual. I think, I fear that he would be one of the political prisoners. I, we still have, I don't know if you guys know this, this is one of the things that we know for sure, but I fear that most people don't realize. There are still hundreds of men and women who are being held in D.C., but all over the country, but specifically quite a few in the D.C. prison or D.C. jail for crimes that happened that day, most of which are misdemeanors, a few are felonies, not one person is charged with insurrection, mind you. They're still being held. They have not gotten court dates. They are not being allowed access to their attorneys. They are not allowed to see their family. They are not being given good uh uh, medical care. One of the men had cancer, was not given access to his cancer treatment, had to sue to get access to his cancer treatment in prison. These people have not seen a judge. This is such, I, 
it breaks my heart. It actually burdens me so deeply that this is happening and that it's just not talked about and no one seems to care because these are people that are somebody's loved ones. These are somebody's mom, somebody's dad, somebody's uncle, somebody's father, brother, daughter, son. These are people that matter that did not do what they are being accused of, of doing. Did they break the laws? Sure, probably some of them. But when we're talking about January versus an entire summer of people that were charged with equal crimes, trespassing, destruction of property, disorderly conduct, this, these, are the, these are some of the charges that are being uh, put against these people that are being held, oftentimes in solitary confinement, no less, to this day, a year later, without having been, had their case heard in front of a judge. The Constitution guarantees us a quick trial, an expedited trial, not an expedited, but a, a, I forget the terminology, but a quick trial. We're not meant to be held without having our court case and having a conviction. These people are not convicted of any crime, not convicted of any crime. I just want you to imagine if this happened, because again, something that maybe we have forgotten is that there were riots in DC all over the city and including in front of the Capitol when on uh, inauguration day of 2017, when Donald Trump was, was inaugurated into office, there was riots and hundreds of people were arrested that day, most of which were released without charges later, right? So we've already been down this road, but nobody talks about that. It wasn't called an insurrection. It wasn't called an interruption to democracy. And it certainly wasn't called a uh, equivalent event to September 11th or Pearl Harbor as our VP um, just called that yesterday on the anniversary. This is an equivalent event to Pearl Harbor where over 2,000 people died or September 11th where over 3,000 people died. I might even be getting those numbers wrong. Not an equivalent event. Not an equivalent event. Not even kind of sort of. Like can you, this is like saying, you could have been at Pearl Harbor and not even noticed that a, a attack was happening. Or you could have been standing in downtown Manhattan and completely missed the fact that planes flew into the towers and uh, buildings fell down. Because I was there in DC, completely oblivious to an insurrection that was happening, to a war that was being waged. Completely not aware, not aware, standing in front of the Capitol building. You can, that's the same thing we're saying here is I could have been standing in Manhattan and not realized that September 11th was unfolding in the same exact place I was at. So because I was there, I can tell you, I know that's not what happened that day. <laughs> that's not what happened that day. Not even kind of, sort of, but this is something that I think these are facts that a year later we know for sure. And I fear that people are just absolutely unaware of. So let's go over some other things that people, we know for sure now, a year later, four people died that day. Four people died that day. Three died in the crowd, two of medical emergencies earlier in the day, having nothing to do with the Capitol grounds, one person supposedly having been trampled by the crowd, but also it seems that potentially there was an overdose of some sort. It's unclear. I've seen both sides. And then of course, Ashley Babbitt. Okay. These are the four people that died that day. Four people compared to September 11th or Pearl Harbor. Do you see the propaganda garbage? Do you see the absolute lengths that our current government is going to, to create an overreach. Now, 
we talked about this on a podcast before about Afghanistan, how September 11th was a really wonderful opportunity for our federal government to create an entire new branch of government called Homeland Security, which has never gone back from being there. It's not like that was like a, a one-off, you know, we're just going to get this one branch of government going until we get things situated with the terrorist organization. No, that is still something that happens. You'll notice you're not able to go to the gate at the airport like you were before. Things shift after events happen and federal government puts things in place that never go back again. So we need to be very careful about what we allow the federal government to reach into. Okay. And I can tell you, I have been called and accused of being a domestic terrorist simply because I was there in DC that day. I did not break a single law. I'm not charged with having broken a law. And yet I am a domestic terrorist simply because I was there. I'm lumped in. We all are lumped in. And even if you don't think that way in, you know, specifically about me, if you know me personally, I think maybe if you feel a way about that day that is negative, you feel a way about that day that is negative because of what the information that you've been given, right? Because it's been constantly called an insurrection because it's been told to you that it is the worst attack on blah, 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 and that police were attacked and a police officer died. P.S. That's another thing we know for sure. Yes, a police officer died the next day or, or two days later. I can't remember if he died the 7th or the 8th. He was initially reported as having died from blunt trauma to the head, by a fire extinguisher from someone at the scene on January 6th. Come to find out his autopsy came out about a month later after everybody was over and, and had already accepted their judgment of the event that day, that he died of, of absolutely unrelated causes. And there was no trauma to his body that caused the stroke that he had that killed him. Unrelated. Then there was two police officers that committed suicide this, that were there that day, Capitol Police officers that committed suicide in the week that followed, January 6th. Those two deaths were attempted to be linked into deaths that were included on January 6th. So for a while, we had a death count of like seven on January 6th because that included these three police officers that died the following week that absolutely had nothing at all to do with anything that happened that day. But again, we hear the media, we hear the propaganda, we accept it, we expect it because we've been polarized against each other. And then that's what it is. And then when you find out that someone like me was there, you're like, wait, what? Hold the phone and half, if not more, I'm gonna go 90%. 90% of the people who knew me, when they found out I was there, they lumped me in on what they expected happened that day. And they didn't give me the benefit of doubt of knowing me before and knowing that's not why I was there. Obviously, I wouldn't go to D.C. to riot at the Capitol building. Most of the people who knew me knew I didn't even like Trump. <laughs> so it's hilarious that that would be the expectation. And it really shocked me at how far identity politics has taken us and how far we've allowed the propaganda to get in without doing any critical thinking, without doing any research of our own, without understanding why on earth would somebody be there? For example, when I tell you why were people in D.C. on January 6th, most people would say because they were Trump supporters or uh, they were there to riot against a uh, democracy or because they were racist, right? No, we were there because there was a stolen election. <laughs> That's not something that you can say if you're trying to remove yourself from the narrative that there was a stolen election. They wouldn't even say that the millions of people that showed up that day were there for election integrity. 
That's not what they would ever say because they want to divert your attention away from the fact that there was any election integrity to be paying attention to. The narrative is it was a free and fair election. There was no silly willy business. And all of those people were there because they are obsessed with Trump and they're racist and they're violent and they're white supremacists and they're crazy people. Here's another fun fact that we know. No one to my knowledge, and I've done some research on this, even had a weapon. No one has a single uh, weapons charge, having been there. So you would think if there was a pre-planned insurrection that uh, on the Capitol, that people would bring something more than, you know, their selves. But alas, nobody except the uh, officer who shot Ashley Babbitt fired a shot that day or even was seen with a gun. There were pipe bombs that were placed at both the DNC and the RNC the night before, and uh, we do not know, despite our enormous power in the federal government and all the people we know were there on January 6th, we have yet to identify a single person, even though he's on video, placing these uh, pipe bombs. Who was that person? And we didn't know until, gosh, six months ago, who even shot Ashley Babbitt? Can you even imagine after George Floyd's death, if they disguise the identity of the officer who killed George Floyd? Could you even imagine the outrage if that identity of that officer was kept private or quiet or was not released even to the family? Can you even imagine? It was months and months before we even discovered who was the officer that shot Ashley Babbitt that day. There is a complete ridiculous double standard. There is a completely ridiculous double standard. So we know that four people died that day, not seven. Four died, all Trump supporters. <laughs> the, the only one that was killed was killed by a Capitol Police person. That would be an unarmed woman, Ashley Babbitt. So for those of us who are really fired up over the summer about police brutality, where'd you go? What happened? Where's the double standard? What, why are we not equally as fired up about an unarmed woman being shot do committing a crime don't get don't get it wrong i i know because i was there that day that should i have committed a crime i would expect consequences to follow and yet we spent the entire summer defending it does not matter if you are a criminal it does not matter if you are in the midst of being arrested for a crime that matters zero you should not be subjected to police brutality or unfair treatment or sh being shot Absolutely not. Do you understand what we had to deal with all summer? And then to just, I just couldn't even believe that the same exact narrative that they were completely going against all summer was now used against the January 6th rioters, protesters, you know, whatever, insurrectionists, whatever we are. We all are it. If you were there that day, you're an insurrectionist, period. It's not, there's not criminals and protesters. Again, like all summer long, for Black Lives Matters, there was criminals, there was rioters, and there was protesters. And there was a very specific, um, you know, even the rioters, we didn't even hear that term. The right called them rioters. The left called them peaceful protesters, up and to including, making defense. Kamala Harris got a GoFundMe to get some of the criminals out of jail to pose bail for some of these rioters, right? So we didn't even have a delineation between people who were there to protest and people who were there to riot. No, everybody was there to, to protest. Nobody was there to riot. And then on the flip side, on January 6th, absolutely everybody was there to riot and nobody was a peaceful protester. Do you see the double standard? Do you see what we know now looking back and how much we have been duped and manipulated and steered? My goodness.
It's important to know, we know now, not a single Trump supporter was killed that day. It's actually understood that the police officer who um, died the, the following day or two days after, um, that he was also a Trump supporter. So even if we want to loop him in, he was a Trump supporter, as, as the rumor goes, right? I didn't get to talk to him. Let's see, what else do we know for sure? So there's this new bit of information, and I actually listened to a great podcast today, and I'll link it in the show notes. Charlie Kirk had, um, oh, I can't remember his name, a reporter from uh, revolvernews.com who has done a really excellent job on, on continuing to stay focused on the events of January 6th and how those uh, you know, how are these prisoners being treated and uh, what is happening with these court dates and or rather not happening with the court dates and all of this stuff. It has now been revealed that there were, in fact, federal agents or federal informants in the very least in the crowd that day. Ray Epps is one person of question that was is caught on video inciting the crowd the day before January 5th. Okay, so this video in and of itself would alleviate any kind of um, impeachment of Donald Trump because this would, you know, basically say, oh, there were people in the crowd inciting this long before Donald Trump gave his absolutely boring and non-inciting speech on January 6th. This man, Ray Epps is his name, was saying, we need to go in the Capitol tomorrow. We need to go in the Capitol tomorrow. And then later on the day, January 6th, he is seen ushering people into the Capitol, pointing them in, giving them instruction. Okay, so who is this person? He's obviously an important person. What's ironic is in the video, when he says, we need to go into the Capitol tomorrow, the entire crowd of Trump supporters goes, Fed, Fed, Fed. They immediately call him out as a Fed. They knew immediately he's a plant. He is trying to incite something he's trapping the crowd. He's trying to trap the crowd. They saw it happen. He's now on video for right after January 6th. This person was on the federal, uh, the FBI's most wanted list. He was later taken off that list for some reason. He's not been arrested. He's not being held. He has not been charged. Why is that? Who is he? We, he's one of the only people on video actually inciting an insurrection. Who is this man? Right? I mean, we don't know yet. This is a valid question. Please make sure you check out revolver.news and surely listen to this podcast, which discusses it further. So we know that it was not a spontaneous insurrection, but it was also not a pre-plan. Nobody freaking went there to storm the Capitol, okay? (laughs) And it is just stunning to me that we are like, I have someone in my life who was just absolutely despised Trump. There are many of those people. But this particular person, because she had a friend who was there, caught with people throwing bricks and was arrested, but was later released. He was not charged with a crime, but she just could not believe that Trump arrested him. This is what she says. Trump arrested him and he didn't even do anything wrong. Okay, well, first of all, Trump didn't arrest him. I'm sure Trump has zero idea that even happened, right? And he wasn't charged with a crime. Sometimes when we're in the wrong place at the wrong time, we're going to be, you know, arrested. And hey, that's what the criminal justice system is supposed to be for. If you didn't do anything, you don't get charged. You get let out. It's fine. You're good to go. That's what happened to her friend. It's all good to go. Now, for her to be in such an absolute uproar over that for four years and then to not even say a word about the fact that hundreds of men and women have been kept for over a year being charged with crimes, not convicted, mind you. Prison comes after you're convicted of a crime. And if you are convicted of any crime, you should serve time. 
for whatever that is, whatever the, you know, justified sentence is. Absolutely. I'm not saying that these people are innocent. I'm just saying they deserve constitutional protection just like anyone else. And they are not getting it. And nobody is talking about it. Nobody is outraged by it. And if it were the other way around, it would be an absolute hysteria. We would be hearing just never ending, right? So we now know that who is Ray Ebbs? There were feds in the crowd. We know that there were threats of violence ahead of time. It can't be a spontaneous insurrection from Trump if Trump asked ahead of time for uh, the FBI actually said that there are rumors of potential violent attacks on the Capitol tomorrow. And Trump asked for additional Capitol police to be brought in for the day. And Nancy Pelosi said no. Even during the quote-unquote insurrection, Nancy Pelosi denied for backup to come. Now we have to hear AOC say that half of the Congress nearly died that day. Half of the Congress nearly died that day. Actually, no one from the Congress actually even ever had any amount of danger applied upon them. It's really wild that that would be what anyone would say. But because we knew that there was a threat of violence, that was an announcement the FBI had already issued that to Congress and Nancy Pelosi had denied the request multiple times for additional police units. This is not a spontaneous insurrection. This was not an insurrection at all. And they should have and could have been very well prepared for any instances. This was a big thing. I knew that there was millions of people coming to DC that day. I was worried. I was concerned. I did everything I could. I made all the, you know, like I was safe and all the things. Um, but I knew there was millions of people that were coming to the Capitol on that day. There's no way that Congress didn't know that, that the Capitol Police didn't know that, that the FBI didn't know that, and that they weren't prepared. And what's funny is I was in D.C. in September of 2020, and the Capitol, you could see snipers on the roof. You could see snipers on the roof of multiple buildings. There's no 100-foot fence in front of the Capitol, and I knew there was a sense of police presence there. When I was standing in front of the Capitol just a few months later on the day of January 6th, I didn't see a single police officer anywhere. There was like an absence of police presence that day. Why do you think that is? We now know that there were Capitol Police there that let protesters in the building on C-SPAN, live on TV. There was Trump supporters walking in organized queues between red rope lines into the Capitol tundra, just walking right on in, not bursting in through windows, coming in through doors. We have a, there's a video I've seen multiple times of a police officer saying to the crowd as he opens the door and lets them in, I don't agree with this, but is what he says. I don't know what he agrees with or doesn't agree with. I don't know what he's referring to, but he opened the door and let protesters in. There's a video where all of the barricade uh, uh, gates are all removed by several police officers to let the giant crowd into the uh, the inner, you know, circles or inner uh, closer up, I guess, to the building of the Capitol. There's plenty of video. There's loads of video of people just walking around inside the Capitol. Nobody is catching fire to anything. Nobody is storming in. All these videos and pictures, mainly images we see of people hanging on the outside of the Capitol building are all very much dramatized and not at all a depiction of what actually happened that day. Like I said, I was standing outside the building. I saw none of that at the very end of the day. There was rumors going through the crowd. This is about 4 o'clock, 4.30, that someone was shot in the Capitol. I said, there is no way that's true. Ashley Babbitt was shot somewhere around 1 o'clock, I believe. 
I was there for hours outside, never even saw an ambulance, never, there was never even a, a feeling that this was now a crime scene or a murder, which it absolutely was. There was no police presence trying to push the crowd back at all at any point. I never saw any riot police. I'm sure they were there. There was lots of us, but I was right in front of the Capitol. So I don't know why I didn't see them. You would think if there was this giant insurrection that there would be backups coming in from all over the place. And that was hours after the, the Capitol had been breached. Not to my knowledge had it been breached, but apparently people had been in for hours at that point. You would think somebody standing outside would be aware that perhaps there was something going on that they were trying to dissipate the crowds. There was no, no indication that that was happening. Okay, so you could actually be there and not really even know what was happening. But I do think now, as I go back to the fact that people went to D.C. that day because of election integrity, that is 100% why my husband and I were there. And the people who tell me there, it was a free election, there was no cheating, there's no evidence of fraud or there's not any, any of those statements, I just like laugh in my head and don't even continue the conversation anymore because I'm like, you obviously have looked into it zero. It's very, very clear that you have looked into it zero because there was a very intense forensic audit in Arizona that came out with an, just tons of fraud. There's ongoing investigations by the Sheriff's Department in Wisconsin revealing tons of fraud. There's a brand new investigation that just started this week in Georgia into ballot harvesting and there's tons of fraud already revealed in the ballot uh, tallying sheets in Georgia. Like, come on now. I watched every minute of the Senate hearings. This is not a brag. This is boring, boring, boring. That's what led me to get in my car and drive 12 hours right after the holidays, leave my kids behind <laughs> to go and stand in the 30 degree coldest day of my life in front of the Capitol to be present was because there was no question in my mind that there was overwhelming evidence. This wasn't a, I have a feeling, or I really, really love Trump and I don't want Biden to be president. That's not what it was. I knew because I heard the witnesses, I read the affidavits, I looked at the analysis, I heard it all. And all of that has gone on to now be revealed on a much larger scale. So if you still are under the impression, which polls show that more than half of America, upwards of 60%, now believe that there was fraud in the 2020 election, including 30% of Democrats. So if you are still of the impression that there was no fraud in the 2020 election, you have simply just not looked into it, which is fine, but don't make a statement because you, you have to be able, like when, even before I was going, when people would say, well, send me some information about the fraud. I would just be like, I don't have time to send you information about the fraud. Like it's, there's so much, there's so much, it's everywhere. It's so obvious if you just look into it. But of course, if you don't want it to be there and if you don't care to look into it, then it's easy to say, well, I'm just going to believe what CNN says or even Fox news or whatever that it's good to go. And there's no, there's no um, evidence of anything to the contrary, right? You guys, we now know there was overwhelming fraud. There have been laws already put in place and hopefully more to come that uh, will fortify our elections against this sort of fraud and cheating in the future. That's the best that we can hope for, right? It's not about like going back and reinstating Donald Trump. It's about going forward and making sure that neither party feels that there is an illegitimate president in the White House, that we have laws that make us feel super confident about the legitimacy of our elections, right? We've passed. I went to D.C. because I hoped to rectify the fraud that had already been done. But now that we have a president in the White House, I can only hope that the future 
holds uh, some more integrity and that America in general can unite behind that. Because I know that there was a lot of people who didn't like that Trump was in the office. So I, I would hope that we could all unite around the idea that we would all want to feel confident that our president was duly elected and that there was no fraud, certainly no very clear and proven evidence of fraud. Not just like irregularities, but intentional pre-planned fraud. It's there. We now know it. Go look for it. Okay. Okay. I think those are the main points. I'm kind of peeking at the things I wrote down. The main points that we now know a year later. Like I said, I have no regrets. I'm super glad I was there. I have such clarity on this event. I'm so sad that so many people have been misled. I'm so sad that this has cost me relationships that really did matter to me, that we would cling to a narrative before we would say, hey, you were there. Like, what the heck? Even if you're mad at me, why were you there? Why would you even go there? Like, allow that conversation to happen. Because gosh, I do know I did not agree with any of the Black Lives Matter stuff over the summer, but I had a very dear friend who went to the protests Great. I asked her how it went. I never once assumed that she was a part of the later riots that happened on the same day at the same event she was at. Never accused her of that. Never even thought. And of course, no one ever accused her of that. Never thought differently of her. Of course, did I agree with it? No. Did I, would I have gone? No. But I had a conversation with her. I just am so sad that that was never given the other way around. And I'm just very concerned that the, specifically this term, the identity politics that we would anchor so deeply in an identity that gives us a political affiliation, man, you guys, this is where we will claim our Germanness, our Nazism over the right thing that is happening right in front of our face, that we would be able to look the other way, that we would be able to ignore the evidence, that we would be able to dismiss the rumors and, and walk along with something just because it is currently the way that we want it to go or currently not something that affects us immediately in our lives or I don't really want to think of my quote-unquote party that way so I'm just going to not really look into it or not think about it or what have you. Gosh, guys, we have got to do better than that for our, ourselves, for our families, and for our future because we are looking down the barrel of a very, very scary time. A very scary time. There's so much going on, so much going on that if it were flipped, I just continue to ask you that. If it were flipped and if there was somebody that you did not trust asking you to do something that you did not want to do, if there was somebody accusing you of something that you didn't do, if your friends were going along with that accusation simply because it aligned appropriately with the narrative they wanted to follow, how brokenhearted would you be if this were reversed? You guys, we have to go back to having compassion for each other, to, to prioritizing humanity over our identities in this garbage stuff that is so ever-shifting. It's always shifting and changing. Why would we anchor our identities in anything related to the natural, right? Of course, this points us to Christ. Of course, this points us to our identity in Him. And we are who God says we are. We are not who we affiliate with right? So we have got to strip this away. We have got to get down to the root of it. We've got to be willing to look. We've got to be willing to think. We've got to be willing to examine both the information out 
in the open as well as our own heart's motivations and willingness to look the other way. We have got to examine all of this. There, the time of being a passive participant in our communities or a passive participant in this country or in humanity is behind us. We cannot afford to not know what information is out there. We cannot afford to not know because even if it's working your way right now, even if you don't care about this issue right now, I promise you it will flip and you will care so much. And all we will be able to say, those of us who have been wounded and hurt by things like January 6th or this election, all we will have to say is shrug and go, well, where were you? When we felt this way, where were you but looking the other way and pointing your finger and accusing and abandoning, right? We have to be together because united we stand, divided we fall. What do you think their motivation is? And I just want to end because I remember reading this. I want to end on a Instagram post (laughs) from a dear friend of mine's son who I was with in D.C., I believe he was 17 while we were there, of age, about to become of age to go and potentially war for this country, right? About to uh, stand in the gap of the consequence that was about to take place potentially. I mean, that is how it felt. It felt that dire as we stood there that day, especially the day after. It felt that critical that this 17-year-old boy who I stood with all day and have known since he was a very young little guy. I stood with him in D.C. on that day and saw in his eyes his own future falling apart. And January 6th was a day that I feel a lot of of emotions about, obviously. You can hear it in my podcast. (laughs) And uh, January 7th was a day I only felt despair and sadness because... The evening of January 6th is when what I knew happened that day met what the narrative established happened that day. And those were very, very different things. And it, it devastated me, devastated me. I'm not a crier. Um, and I remember reading this Instagram post the next morning as we drove out of, as we drove out of, uh, we actually left DC on the night of D6 of the sixth and, and we would drive the rest of the way home on the seventh. And as we were driving the morning of the 7th, I read this post on Instagram from my friend's son and just sobbed, just sobbed because it really did say so much. So I want to read it to you. It's uh, him with this revolutionary flag um, in front of the Capitol with the Capitol in the distance. It's a beautiful picture. And it says, I was thinking of captioning this just like the last post. Just a simple message, but it's evident that I have so much more to say. The events that took place today were truly historic and no short of incredible. We showed the world firsthand that the silent majority is tired of being muzzled. The patriots have stayed silent for too long, and this big dog will fight when you rattle his cage. No, I don't agree with the men and women, most of which were Antifa, who broke into the Capitol and picked fights with police. But when you realize some of these people had nothing else to lose and that the government has stripped them of all of their rights and their freedoms, it becomes a much different story. We are the party of law and order, and I am ashamed of some of the actions that a few were willing to take today. 
I will forever support our law enforcement. However, 99.999% of the millions plus Americans that showed up yesterday did not come to riot. We came to make a statement and to peacefully assemble, not only for our president, not only for our country, but it, for God. I'm fed up of seeing this country put God on the back burner. My family and I came together to peacefully gather for Jesus, for liberty, and for our country. We waved flags, sang songs, and most of all prayed. The sad part is the vast majority will never see this. They will only be fed the violence. But today we had a voice, a voice that was more than heard, but seen and felt. I'm praying for the family of the woman who lost her life, as well as the three others. I'm praying for our country every day. I'm praying for all men and women in uniform. I'm praying for our president, and I pray for the people that need to hear the truth. Thank you, patriots, and thank you, God, for watching over us. Never end the fight. Amen. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, strengthen us as one human race. Bring us back together, Lord, the way that only you can. Because this day, as we reflect on it, there's so much truth. There's so much to be seen. There's so much to be considered. And yet it is used as this just dagger to further divide, further solidify violence, further solidified hatred, further solidified accusations, but mostly to divide. Lord, I just pray that people on both sides, all sides, every side, would seek to know what the truth is. Not just the truth of the events as they fold out in the natural, but the truth of God. The truth that you have for us. The truth that we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, matter more across the aisle, up and down the aisle, around and around in circles around the aisle. <laughs> Doesn't matter where we stand. We matter more than any of that noise and nonsense. And there are evil principalities at play that are looking to point us any and all directions but towards that unity, Lord. I just pray for that truth to be revealed, for light to shine in the darkness. In your holy name we pray. Amen.